Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Well, hey, um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of over the weather. I'm kind of over the weather, and um, one thing your pastor likes to do, he likes to be on the water. Um, I love the lake, y'all, and I do, and I love being in a boat on the lake, and so I need a prop for tonight uh, for my message, and so I need a boat brought up. Y'all got a boat anywhere? Come on, bring me a boat up here. This will work. Look at that bow. Look at that bow. Um, you can't see it, but this boat's name is Swiss Cheese. You see it? You see it, girls? You see the block of Swiss Cheese right there? That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um... I'm going to preach in the boat tonight. Is that all right with you? Um, I'm going to try to um, contain myself in the boat, but uh, make sure it doesn't rock first because I can get a little crazy when I preach on first Thursday. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was praying about this day, and... Um, I always, I always pray about my messages, but First Thursday is always um, something I really anticipate, and I really feel First Thursday, those who are just spiritually hungry really make the effort to come out to. I'm not saying everyone else isn't, but I feel like you guys are, you're really pressing in, right? Yeah. You're like, you, you want to be here tonight, right? And there's a different atmosphere in here. There always is, and it, if you're here, you know what it is, and uh, it's hard to explain to someone, and, and uh, little did I know when the Lord gave me this word what the next couple weeks would be for our family, some things we've been facing, some battles, um, as you know with my nephew Brody, and we're believing for a miracle for his body, and continue to pray for him. He did have some progress today, and we thank God for that. And uh, it, I, I guess I should be used to it after 20 years of preaching that when God gives me a message, usually in the next couple of weeks, I'll begin to walk out that message. And so the message was about storms. And I was like, God, I'm good. I'm in a fast, like I'm spiritually high right now. I'm eating spiritual Twinkies, Lord. Like, 
that's a good message, storm. And then the fast ended and the storms hit my home. The storms hit our family. And the storms have hit many of our staff and their families and many team leaders. And, and we've been hearing about it. And so I, I know this is a word from God. So I want you to lean in. I want you to take notes. I want you to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you through this message. We're gonna pick up a story in Acts chapter 27. I wanna give you a little context uh, to the story. We find um, in our text, in Acts 27, Paul is on a voyage to Rome, and he's actually a prisoner on this boat. And um, he's on a boat, and he's, he's with uh, around 276 other uh, prisoners and guards, right? And uh, he's on his way to Rome to appeal his charges to Caesar, the King, King Caesar. And um, he's in this boat, and it, he, was, he was traveling a long distance. It was a long, treacherous journey to Rome. But God gives Paul a dream and really assures him that everything is going to be all right, that you're going to make it to Rome, you're going to stand before Caesar, and um, you're actually going to share and proclaim the gospel to him, this pagan king, Caesar. And, uh, but what God didn't share with Paul in the dream um, is that he would experience quite a boat ride. <laughs> you never notice how God doesn't really give you those details? Like he says, hey, you're going to be this, and you're going to do great things, but he doesn't fill in the gaps. Um, or does he fill in the gaps? Because he is the greatest gap filler ever. Because even when there's gaps and we feel like we're falling, God fills the gaps and uses the gaps for his glory and to propel us into our purpose and our destiny. And so he would end up being in a boat for several months, and he would end up being shipwrecked, and other challenging circumstances would happen along the way. Let's pick up the reading there on the screen. Look at this, Acts 27, 13 through 15, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was what? By what? The ship was what? By what? And could not head into the wind, so gave way to it, and we were driven along. The title of my message today is Caught in a Storm. I want you to touch three people and say, caught in a storm. Go ahead. Um. I'm reminded that in life, in life, um, we can get caught in storms. We get caught in storms. I've been in many storms in my life, and I'm not talking about literal storms, although I have been in a nor'eastern, living in New Jersey, Hurricane Sandy hit, and it was horrible. Houses all around us demolished and destroyed. I mean, literally less than a half mile from our house, houses just leveled. But I'm talking about some other types of storms. I'm talking, I've been in many storms in my life. I've been in uh, marital storms. You ever been there? Been in some spiritual storms before? Been in some financial storms before? I couldn't make ends meet, frustrated. Nothing will frustrate a marriage more than finances. 
I mean, it's really the number one cause of divorce now. I've been in some family storms, been in some career storms, not knowing, hey, what's next? Like, I feel like I should be further along here. I'm not there, but I want to get there, and I see that, but I'm not there yet, and I can get frustrated. Been in some physical storms, been in some physical storms, attacks on your body, physically. Been in some mental storms. Went through a time where I was literally locked in my room for about eight weeks, put on depression medicine, paralyzed by anxiety and fear, never dealt with it in my life. Didn't answer my phone, didn't pick it up. My wife's like, you, you, gotta, you gotta call these people back. Your pastor's calling you, family's calling you. I didn't wanna talk to nobody, kept the blinds closed, wanted to be dark. Been there. Storms. We all find ourselves in storms, and maybe it's a parenting storm, a relational storm. Maybe you're in a lonely storm right now where you feel like nobody even could relate to what I'm going through. Nobody could even understand what I'm facing. Maybe you're in a confused storm right now. Just, it's foggy. It's not clear for you. You're confused with life and what the future may hold. Maybe somebody is in a fearful storm right now. You're paralyzed and gripped by fear and anxiety to the point where you, you can't even make decisions or you can't even go out of your house at certain times or certain days. The storms are a part of life. Please know that on the journey following Jesus, there will be storms. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's a matter of when. And uh, I've identified three different storms in our lives. Number one, there's the self-inflicted storm. You ever been in that storm? Those who didn't raise their hand? Yeah, that was your fault. Self-inflict, like I brought this on to myself. I know I did. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have went there. And here I am in a storm because of my own doing. And then there's second type of storm I've labeled. It's I got a Jonah on my boat storm. I got a Jonah, and uh, I got to throw him over. And what I'm talking about is you're doing life with the wrong people, and they take you down the wrong path. And uh, the people on that boat shouldn't have went through what they went through, but because Jonah was on the boat, they went through a bad storm. Jonah disobeyed God, and so sometimes we're hanging around people that are going in the exact opposite of the way we're supposed to go in obedience to God. They're disobeying God, and because of that, we got a Jonah on our boat kind of storm we're facing. The third type of storm is a demonic-inflicted storm. Demonic-inflicted. You know when those hit. Like, you're like, oh, this is Diablo. Oh, oh, I see your horns, you ugly sucker. This is straight the devil. Like the devil is manifested in my child right now. And that's when you grab the bottle of Crisco and you anoint your child with oil and cast demons out. Some of y'all think I'm playing. You better lay hands on your kids. Little Johnny needs some hands laid the way he acts in kids' church. I mean, we go through some demonic attacks in our mind, in our bodies, in our, with our relationships, and we know this is sent from the devil himself. 
We, know, we, we just know it. And I've discovered this in life. You're either, you're either in a storm, you're either coming out of one, or you're going into one. That's it. So if you're just coming out of one, rejoice for a hot minute. A hot minute. A New York minute. Because you're getting ready to go into another one. And what doesn't break you ultimately makes you. What doesn't break you ultimately makes you. And so today I want to talk about what to do when you're caught in the middle of a storm. Are you ready? I got four ways to thrive in a storm. I got four points. One, two, three, four. I got four points. And then I'm going to pray for people at the end. I got four points, four ways you can thrive in a storm. Number one, you need to learn to stay on the ship. You need to learn to stay on the ship. Some of you jump at every opportunity. You get a hangnail and you think your world's over. When I've walked through the hospital a lot this week and seen worse situations than what your kids are facing. Perspective is everything. And so a lot of times we want to jump ship when we don't know what our neighbor's facing. And we don't take the time to even ask because we're so consumed with the storm that we're caught in. And so Acts 29, the story goes on, our text, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Bow. Remember, these are prisoners, right? These are prisoners. They're trying to escape. <laughs> then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Paul says, you're going to die, so stay on what? He said, stay what? Stay on. So, some of you have said, I'm sick of this marriage. I'm about to jump ship. <laughs> you said it this week. I'm sick of my job. I'm about to just quit and not do it the right way. You said it this week. I'm tired of these kids. I want some new kids. <laughs> Where can I trade them in? Doesn't work that way. I, I've been coming to church, I serve, I tithe, pastor, I give my 10%. I serve on that dream team. I 21 day fasted and ain't nothing happening. And you about ready to jump ship. You about ready to throw in the towel. And I came to tell you tonight, you can't throw in the towel. You gotta stay in the ship. Listen. Because if you quit, if you quit, it doesn't gain you anything. It doesn't put you further along. It actually puts you further back. And may I submit to you, Fuel Church, sometimes it takes more faith to stay than it does to leave. Sometimes it takes more faith to stay right here, to stay put to stay planted, to stay faithful to the marriage, to stay faithful to, it takes more faith to stay when you don't feel like it, when you don't want to show up, when you don't want to serve anymore on that. It takes more faith to stay than it does to leave. Hmm? 
stay faithful in the marriage. Young people, single people, stay sexually faithful and pure. It takes more faith to stay pure than it does to do what the culture and the world says you can do. Preaching way better than you're shouting today. Stay to integrity. What is integrity? That's you when no one is watching. That, that's the real you. We, we see the hallelujah you here. How you doing, brother? Praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm good. No, you ain't. Who are you at midnight? Who are you when you see the ad on your Instagram? Who are you when no one is looking? Stay with integrity. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't do it. Sometimes to stay on the ship, you got to get rid of your backup plan. See, some of you have so many backup plans. I'm going to preach this like I feel it tonight. I don't care if you don't like it or not. Some of you have so many backup plans. Well, if if I don't find him at that church, I'll go to the next church. Oh, really? Is that what church is to you? It's another means to an end to find you a man? See, some of you got so many backup plans. Well, if God doesn't work this out, if God doesn't do that, then I could always go there. Or I could always do that. If this relationship doesn't work, then I could, I could do that. And you got backup plans and backup plans. And some of you need to get rid of your backup plans. And you just need to say, I'm going to stay on the ship. I'm going to stay fa- I'm going to remain faithful. We could trust God but have all kinds of backup plans in our back pocket. The text goes on to say that when Paul tells them to stay on the ship, that the next thing the soldiers do is they cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and they let it drift away. They cut the ropes. They cut their backup plan of escape. The lifeboat was their escape to get off of the big boat. They were prisoners. And so their sign of saying, hey, no more backup plans is we're going to cut the ropes and we're letting the lifeboat float, baby. We're cutting the ropes. Some of you need to cut off that backup plan that you've had in your mind. Well, if she don't work out, I could go to her. If he don't work out, I could go to her, him or her. Backup plans. Well, you know, if this church don't work out, if they don't give me everything I want and they don't cater to my needs and my family, then we going down to the next church. You got a backup plan. Well, if God doesn't hear my prayer and I fast and I prayed, if it doesn't happen by April 1st, now God going to fool you on April 1st. You need to cut the ropes. You need to cut the ropes. You need to cut the ropes. You need to get rid of your backup plan and say, as for me and my house, we're staying on the ship. We're going to remain faithful. No matter what that family does, no matter what that family at Fuel Church does, no, no. As for Joshua said, I'm going to be the spiritual head of the home. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Church ain't an option. Jesus ain't an option. Jesus ain't a weekend thing. He's our life. Your kids are going to come to you. Well, mommy, they got this, Snapchat, and they got all this. Nope, we staying on the boat. Not our house. Well, they, they watch this rated R movie, and they go to this club, and they go to this sleepover. Nope, not in this house. Well, I don't like the rules here. Cool, move out. 
save me a whole lot of grocery money. Oh, some of you don't think you can talk to your kids that way because they're your best friend. Not, you're not the parent to them. You want to be little Johnny and little Susie's best friend. Oh, so cute. You know, they're 14. They're, I'm their best friend and I give them whatever they want. The devil is a liar. My kids ain't my best friend. They better never call me their best friend. I'm their father. I'm their parent. And guess what? They don't know what's good for them. They don't want to eat broccoli. They don't know what's good for them. They, don't, they want to stay up late. They don't know what's good. They want to hang out with people's houses, and I don't even know what spirit's in that house. I'm going to let you go do a sleepover. I don't even know if the father's up there watching porn all night. Y'all ain't ready for this. Let me get back and ask Luke more proper. The first-time guests are like, what is this church? Did he say porn, Ethel? Yeah, 80% of Christian men are struggling with it right now. No, I didn't say 8%. I said 80. We don't want to talk about the elephant in the room. We want to act like everything's okay. We wonder why our marriages are ending. All right, let's get back to the notes, Jake. Stop, stop, stop. I'm going to stay on the boat. I'm cutting the ropes of who and what holds me back. I'm going to cut the ropes. Number two. Number one, stay on the ship. Number two, be still and chill. When, when you're caught in the storm, this is what you need to learn. When you're caught in the middle of the storm, you need to be still and chill. Someone say chill. chill. I not only got two co- one Coke, I got two Cokes, and one of them's in a fuel church koozie. Some of you are flipping and stressing over every little thing. You need to be still and chill. <laughs> Acts 27, 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything, so it's time for y'all to chill. Trust God and chill. 14 days, they were stressed, they were worried, they were on this voyage. The prisoners were trying to escape at times. Paul finally says, listen, guys, chill out, sit down, have a meal, relax. You need to trust God and chill. I've learned that worry and panicking won't make the storm go away. What? We worry so much about what we can't change. Don't we? Repeat this after me. Say, I will stop worrying about things I cannot control. One more time, because some of you could get free right from this. I will stop worrying about things I cannot control. Now breathe. Right there. There it is. That's for you. Stop worrying about it. How many times have I worried myself sick about something that never even happens? I don't know if you ever do that. But I'll work myself up over something that's not even a reality. Over something that hasn't even happened. But my mind runs to the future. 
and says, this is what's going to happen, and here's what they're going to think, and they're mad at me, and this, and my perception is not reality, but it's reality to me. Am I talking to anybody? And I worry, and I fret, and I allow anxiety to grip my heart about something that never even happens. Hmm? Worry never changes tomorrow, but only robs you of today. Robs you of today's peace. It robs you of today's joy. It robs you of today's confidence. It robs you of today being with those you love the most. How many times I've been in a worry that I forgot to live in the present because I was already worrying about the future. I forgot to enjoy my kids now because I was so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. I was so fret, fretful, frightful about what was going to happen at the church and who's mad and who's this and who's that. Who's going to leave? <laughs> and then they never leave. They just gave a big offering last week. Come on now. If that's you, praise God. <laughs> worry, worry. Luke 12 says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You're not adding anything when you worry. No addition. Only subtraction. I'm throwing nuggets. Some of you are getting it. The rest of you are like, what? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Listen, worry steals your rest. So why do you worry about the rest? It's kind of a play on words, but worry steals your rest. What, what is rest? The rest of your days, the rest of your hour, the rest of your finances, the rest of a sunshiny day that you are worrying about something, and worry steals the rest of your life. Hmm. I'll drink to that. I wish I could say I had this down. I wish I could say I didn't go into a full-blown panic attack about eight years ago when I was putting on a fuel student conference and my budget was around $100,000 and I was freaking out. For one weekend, we were putting on this conference. 3,000 students were coming. Bands were coming. Guys like Lecrae and Andy Minio would be there and all these bands and speakers like John Gray and Rich Wilkerson Jr. and the best of the best. And here I am, end up in the ER full-blown panic attack because I was worrying about making that budget. Would you know that we not only made budget that year, but we had like five grand extra that year? But I allowed the enemy to rob me of that moment. I wasn't still and chill. I was worked up over something that I thought wasn't gonna work out, but in the end, it worked out. Hit your neighbor and say, be still and chill. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So number one, stay on the ship. Number two, be still and chill. And number three, if you're going to make it through the middle of the storm, you're going to have to learn to praise God in the storm. Someone say that. Praise God in the storm. Acts 
27:35, the story goes on and he said, Paul speaking of Paul, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all, then he broke it and he began to eat. You see before Paul gave them food, he praised and thanked his God. The storm is happening. There is the waves crashing all around them, but Paul takes a moment and says, hang on, let's give God a praise. Let's take a time out and do a praise break. Now, let me ask you something. You do a lunch break, right? Come on now. You do a recess break, those at school, right? Come on, you do, you do breaks, right? Some of you do a nap break. Why ain't you doing a praise break? Why do you get to church and you're like this? Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Everyone else is going bonkers out of their mind. You're standing there stiff as a two-by-four. Praise God in the storm. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I just think that that 15, 20, 30 minutes of praise and worship, I don't believe it's just warm-up time for the preacher to figure out what he's going to say. I believe it's a time where we enter into the presence of God to thank God for who he is and to remind the devil that we have the victory. And so... Anybody can praise God when things are going well, but can you, can you raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemy? Can you? I know you can do it in here, but what about when you get the bad report? Come on, what about when the doctor says, not good? What what about when you have the day from hell? Can you raise a hallelujah then? Because anybody can do it in an atmosphere like this. When the fuel band's kicking, come on somebody, and the bass is thumping, and everybody around you is raising it with you. We can all do it then, but can you do it in your room when you're all alone, and tears are running down your face, and your heart's shattered in a million, can you raise a hallelujah then? Can you lift your hands? That's a sign of surrender. And victory. In the Old Testament, they would lift hands for two reasons victory and surrender. So we lift our hands in a corporate setting. Why? Because we surrender to God. Say, man, I thought I already surrendered to God when I gave my life. We surrender to God every day, every second of every minute. Our life is surrender. Our life, we wake up, every, I got, I, I give this to you. I surrender. I give this worry to you. I give this day to you. I surrender. We lift our hands, a, sur- a sign of surrender and a sign of victory declaring that we believe our God is fighting for us. We believe he's going before us. Come on, somebody. When we open our mouth to praise God, we tell the enemy that he's lost. He's lost. And we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory because Jesus has already won the victory on our behalf. I said Jesus has already won the victory on our behalf. Isaiah the prophet said sometimes... Here's what you need to do. Sometimes, when you're in the middle of the storm and you feel like you can't go on, 
and you feel like it's too heavy. He said, you got to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said, you got to put on the garment of praise. Praise is a garment. Praise is a garment that you choose to put on. And he said, you got to put on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness that has tried to attach itself to you. For that spirit of oppression that has tried to break you down to tell you you're not enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be skinny enough. You'll never look like them. you got to put on a garment. And only you can put the garment on. I can't put the garment on for you. You have to put the garment on for you. We put the garment on. And we tell the devil we ain't playing. It's hoodie season. And we don't care what anybody thinks about our praise. We don't care if they hear our shout. We don't care if we're off key when we sing the song. We don't care if we're on the one and two or the one and three because we're white. We don't care if we have zero rhythm. We are determined that we are putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. No matter what comes against us, we're going to praise our God. We're going to praise our God. We're going to lift our voice with the voice of triumph. We can't stay silent. Listen. The Bible says if we stay silent, the rocks will cry out. Someone said, well, I just like a quiet church. This ain't it. Well, I just think God is, you know, up in the heavens quiet. No, he's not. It's 24-7 praise and worship. Worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not quiet. There's nothing quiet about it. There's nothing quiet about it. Gabe, come up here. Matt, come up here. Real quick, real quick. Get in the boat with me. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Because, because, sit down, sit down in the boat. We didn't plan this. This part we did not plan, but God did. And there's a story in the Bible of Paul and Silas. And it reminds me how important it is who's in your boat. Because if you're in the middle of a storm, when you get the report that my brother and his wife got this week, it matters who's in your boat. It matters who you call. It matters. And Paul and Silas were bound with chains on their hands and their ankles. They're in prison. And the Bible says that they begin to let out a praise to their God. A praise so powerful, the scripture says, it shook the very foundations of the prison. 
shook the foundations. The prison doors opened, the Bible says, and the fetters and chains broke off of them. Watch this. And every prisoner in the jail. Because sometimes, sometimes, my praise isn't enough. I need him to praise with me in the middle of the storm. I need him to praise with me in the middle of the storm. Because my Bible says one can put a thousand demons to flight, devils to flight. Two can put 10,000. What can three do? What can a hundred do? What can a thousand do? What can 1,500 do? And so, so, when you feel like you're in your prison, you need to go get a praise partner. You need to go get someone, not who can talk about what you're going through, post about what you're going through. Get on the phone. Did you hear what the doctor said about her? Man, you got to throw those Jonas off. It's time. It's 2020. We ain't playing games. You got to get rid of them. You got to get to somebody who will hit their knees in the middle of the storm and lift up a praise and skip a meal or two and bombard heaven's gates on your behalf because it's not time to play in the middle of the storm. We got to raise a praise in the middle of the storm. I'm not done. He's playing nice music, but I'm not even done. The real test of our faith is can you praise God in the storm? Can you show up to church and serve those little kids when you had the week from hell? Can you show up and usher? Can you show up and park a car? When you don't even want to be here, you don't even feel like you're saved because you just cussed out your family on the way to church. Can you still show up even though you cussed? Yeah, that's the church we have. They're like, yeah, yeah, we do it every week. <laughs> Listen, church, every day, every day. There's two handles we can grab. The handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. It's, it's our choice. I can't make that choice for you. You can't make that choice for me. Which will you use to help you handle your day? Hmm? Which will you use? David said, I've been through hell. David. David. Persecuted. David, used and abused by his own brothers. David, been through hell, and he says, yet I will praise him, my God and my salvation. Some of you need to get a yet praise down in your spirit that no matter what hell brings, you say, yet I will praise him. No matter what happens to your kids, no matter what happens to your job, no matter what bad report you get, you have a yet 
praise in you that says nothing is stopping me from praising my God. Number one, stay on the ship. Number two, be still and chill. Number three, praise God in the storm. And our last thing you need to know when you're caught in the storm is that God can take you to your destination on broken pieces. I said, God can take you to your destination on broken pieces. Acts 27, 41, but the ship was struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. By the pounding of the surf, the ship broke into pieces. Have you ever been there where all you have left is pieces? Pieces. Pieces. I I don't have much. I just, I got a few pieces left. I don't feel like it's really enough. I, I feel like life has just broken me down and I just, I got some pieces. That's it. This is all I got. It's all I got left are just a few pieces. Like when it's gone from bad to worse overnight and you're left with pieces. When they said they were with you and they left you the next moment and you, all you got left is pieces. When they said they were your best friend, but you found out they were talking behind your back and all you got left is pieces. When you were promised the promotion and the increase and they said, hey, we're making cutbacks, actually tomorrow's your last day and all you got left is pieces. I don't know if you've ever been there, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your emotions, in your money, mentally, physically, maybe in your business, What do you do when all you have left is broken pieces? What do you do? What do you do? May I submit to you that God can take you to your destination on broken pieces. Look at this last scripture. The story continues, and here we go. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and go to land. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Some could swim. Some couldn't swim. Sometimes your storm is so bad you can't swim. Sometimes your storm is so bad that all you can do is just grab on to the pieces that are left. All you can do is cling to the pieces. All you can do is hold on to the pieces of your heart that are left. I don't have much, but this is what I have. God, I bring it to you. And the Bible says that all the men reached shore, all of them. Some swam, some couldn't swim. 
They didn't have the energy. They didn't have the emotional intelligence to get there. But what they did is they grabbed a piece of the boat that had been destroyed. And they just held on. And they allowed the current to take them to shore. They allowed the wave to bring them to shore. And so many times we get so focused on what we lost that we lose sight of what we have. Maybe all you have is pieces, but you got pieces. You got something. And God will use the little that you have. He takes little and turns it into much. Zechariah said, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise it. Because God has a way when you're faithful with the little pieces to make you ruler over much. Pieces. Pieces. You say, all I have left is pieces. Well, if you just got a little piece of hope, hold on to it. If you just got a little piece of faith, that's all you need. The Bible says it's just a little mustard seed. About the size of the end of your pinky fingernail is a mustard seed. That's all you need to make it. You say, I just got a little bit left in my marriage. That's all you need for God to get involved. That's all you need is just a little bit. That's all you need is just a little bit of peace. A little bit of joy. Take what you got. Take those pieces and watch how God will turn it around because God always uses our brokenness to bring about his wholeness. Listen, friends. Listen, friends. Broken crayons still color. Broken crayons still color. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. You may feel like you're in pieces, but it's enough for God to restore you. It's enough. It's enough for him to turn it around. I don't know how, but you don't need to know how. You need to trust the one that does know how. I don't know how he's going to bring my wayward child back. I don't know how he's going to turn this around. There's no natural way. Exactly. God doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. He operates in the supernatural. All you got to do is take what you got left and allow the wind the current of the Holy Spirit to blow you up to shore because the Father's waiting on the shore. He's waiting, but I don't understand how he could take this and use it. I I just don't understand. Well, Peter didn't understand either how he could use the misfit Peter that he was. Paul didn't understand it either after murdering Christians to being the greatest advocate. He didn't understand either. Gideon didn't understand either when he said I'm the least among them. He had a self-esteem self issue and felt like he was nobody. And God said, that's all right. Come here, little Gideon. I'll use you. Jeremiah said, I, 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 I stutter all the time, God. And God said, yep, that's who I want to use. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And he'll use what man says can't be used for his glory and for his purposes. Grab the pieces that are left and watch what God will do with your life. Somebody give God a praise. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. 
It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.